0: Welcome to the Educational Passages podcast. This is the Mini Boat Traffic Report. Educational Passages is a nonprofit organization that seeks to connect people around the world to the ocean and each other through unique global experiences. I'm your host, Cassie Stymist. Since our last traffic report on September 7th, we saw two launches, four landings, and three recoveries. We had a kickoff training Zoom meeting with our new captains on September 13th, and we're supporting schools in New England to New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, Oregon, and Alaska on all new boat builds. There are also many, many schools out there that are going to be relaunching or continuing projects from last year, and we'll be supporting those as well. I'm going to start by taking us back to October 2021, when we saw the students from Columbia City, Oregon, thank the students in Millie Atoll in the Marshall Islands for finding their boat that March. Since then, Commodore Mark and Angela Stearns of the Mieko Beach Yacht Club on board their sailing vessel, the Una Mas, have been working to repair and relaunch Filbert, which is the mini boat from Columbia City, just as they did for Liberty, which you have heard about in previous traffic reports. The Stearns first heard about Filbert while they were actually waiting out COVID in the Marshall Islands, and at the time they had plans to help relaunch Liberty, which had landed in Eiluk Atoll in November 2020. When Filbert landed in Mili Atoll in March 2021, Nate from the Columbia River Maritime Museum at the time knew exactly who to contact, that would be the Stearns. Filbert was first launched back in March 2020 from the U.S. Coast Guard ship Steadfast, about 200 miles off the coast of Baja, Mexico. It landed one year later in March 2021. By then, it had traveled over 9,744 nautical miles to an atoll just south of where Liberty landed a few months before. After over two years of waiting, the Stearns were finally able to sail their boat to the Millie Atoll just in August. They were not sure what condition they would find Filbert in, and were quite surprised to see it in such great condition. They brought Filbert back to Mayoro for some repair, and there I was actually able to mail them a new hatch cover, because the original one was covered in so much salt and wear and tear after crossing the ocean, which makes sense, that it really needed to be replaced. After all their hard work on September 14th, the crew of the Unomas launched Filbert back into the Pacific, but after only two days at sea, the miniboat found its way to another island. We messaged the Stearns to let them know and got a message through just in time before they were out of service area, and they were also able to contact the mayor of Watho, who said it was an uninhabited island, but that he was going to also help. So the adventures of Filbert continue, which is a really nice testament to the love and work that has gone into this little mini boat. I would encourage you all to check out the website to read the articles that the Stearns wrote about the project and their contributions and thanking all of the local communities involved. It's some really great stories. And just as they ended their article, I'd like to say comul tada, which is thank you very much in Marshallese. Now let's head over to the Atlantic Ocean Basin, where on that same day that Filbert landed on September 16th, if you can believe it, we also saw Warrior make land too. This was thanks to Hurricane Lee, which had pushed a couple mini boats off track that week, including Warrior, but also TMSC Challenger, Dream Sailor, and Ames Infinity. As we mentioned in our last traffic report, The Warrior had caught up with Ames Infinity back on August 4th, and they stuck together until about August 13th. Well, it looks like they met up again because a month later, they started taking similar paths, with Ames Infinity just about a day behind Warrior. On September 16th, Warrior landed on Sable Island, a sandy island off the coast of Nova Scotia. The news called it the first shipwreck on Sable Island in decades. Sable Island is about 175 miles south of mainland Nova Scotia on the continental shelf. It's about 26 miles long, but not very wide. The shifting sands have swallowed up shipwrecks in the past, so it was great that the USS Constitution Museum was able to connect with the Sable Island Institute's naturalist, Zoe Lucas, so quickly. Zoe took out her ATV and was able to successfully recover it using the last reported position from the GPS, although it had sustained a little bit of damage. But now the students from Hanscom Air Force Base will get to virtually meet Zoe and learn all about Sable Island. While there's no school on the island, we aren't able to connect classrooms, but there's still lots of learning and connections to be made. I actually thought there was going to be two shipwrecks that day because Ames Infinity was following pretty close to Warrior's Path. and even reported on a spot that was directly overlapped a day later, but then the GPS went quiet. We thought maybe it continued to follow warrior and land on sable island but zoe had taken a look up and down the beach and they didn't see any sign of another boat we didn't really know what happened to ames infinity until september 29th when the gps reported again really far away from sable island looks like timing is everything and the 24 hours between the two boats really made a difference as ames infinity had reported almost a hundred nautical miles away to the southeast and is continuing on her way. On mainland Nova Scotia on September 20th, we saw the TMSC Challenger track towards Cape Breton. We knew the area was rough, so we took to social media. At first, all we had to share was that the mini boat might have made landfall after September 20th as it last reported about two nautical miles south of a beach in Nova Scotia and was traveling 1.2 knots at the time. Thanks to the onboard sensors, It was reporting its heading at 53 degrees, so we made an estimated landfall area and put that up online. Thanks to a post on LinkedIn from the URI Graduate School of Oceanography, someone had suggested contacting the Surfers Association of Nova Scotia. On Friday evening, September 22nd, I received a phone call from a Michelle Richards, who was the Cape Breton area person for that network. And Michelle had called and said, oh, well, I'm actually heading to that area tomorrow to scope it out. And I was able to tell her that actually we had a more accurate location because the GPS had eventually caught up and sent out all of its reports. So I was able to give that information to her and they ventured out the next day on September 23rd. The recovery crew included Michelle, but also Ross Robinson and two other travelers that were visiting Cape Breton, Eric Brunschwiller and Nick Totaro. They were both from Maine, coincidentally, which is where Educational Passages is based. After a three-kilometer hike, they found the boat, or what was left of it, and hiked it back up the trail. Michelle and I did an interview on CBC Radio, and she did the account of the adventure, and you should probably just listen to it from her. It's a really great adventure. And when they had hiked back out, they were greeted by a large group of members of the Cape Breton Canoe and Geographic Society, And they were the ones that ended up opening the hatch and finding all of the things inside that were left by the Frank E. Thompson Middle School students in Newport, Rhode Island. And they loved it. Michelle brought the contents back safely so she could help bring them to a school and so students can connect And she sent us some awesome pictures and accounts of of the trek, which encountered sections of sandy beach, a stream, tall beach grass, cobblestones, rugged rocks, huge piles of washed ashore seaweed, pushed through thick brush, climbed high bluffs, and crossed cranberry bogs. Now that is a mini boat recovery story. And thank you to all who were involved. I also want to point out some more information about the area that Michelle shared with us. She said the area of the coast is very remote and isolated. Very few people adventure along its shores. Lobster boats might be the only type of watercraft found in its waters nearby during June. Historically, this area was visited by the Mi'kmaq in the summer months. They were coastal people in the summer and moved inland during the winter months. There are records of shipwrecks in this area and how it was the Mi'kmaq that rescued them. Michelle was familiar with this area of the coast for surf exploration and was able to gather Ross Robinson as he lives in the area and is also an avid surfer. And a couple others came along by chance and turned into a day of adventure. September was also exciting because we had a complete transatlantic voyage completed by the purple hurricane, which landed in Wales. This is another really remote area with even steeper cliffs, and the weather was not very good at the time. So unfortunately, the boat was not able to be recovered, but not for lack of trying, as we reached out to Ben James in nearby Tenby when we saw the boat was approaching the Pembrokeshire coast. Ben went out a couple times, even with his kids and his drones, and took pictures and videos, which we inspected later on. So while there's no physical boat to be found, we're still going to link up the students at Washington Park Elementary in Georgia and hopefully re-inspired Ben to connect with the students at Kent School in Maryland to maybe relaunch the Mini Boat Osprey, which is the boat that he received back in 2016. In the Atlantic, we're also still tracking the IFATO 4, which appears to have slowed down a little bit and had damage to the water temperature sensor. We're also tracking the Dream Sailor just south of Newfoundland, and Sea Eagle is still in the North Atlantic Drift while Special continues its way south, a little bit towards the Azores, and Clipper Ripper is also to the west of the Azores, making lots and lots of more loop-de-loops. But it's collecting lots of awesome data for the students at Portsmouth Middle School who actually just recently inquired about the orientation data, and that reminds me to give a shout-out to encourage the Data Jam competition, it's a really fun way of learning more about the sensors on mini boats, and that competition will be open again this year. We also have some more news from the Pacific, as the Columbia River Maritime Museum's miniboat program is officially relaunched. In October we saw the Puffin Stuff come together at the museum with the community members voting on the name and the design local parents and students painted the sail and filled the hold and boat educator Olive delivered the boat to the NYK's Secura Leader with Captain Suzuki they had planned to launch the mini boat just south of the Aleutian Islands but a weather pattern diverted the Secura Leader into the Bering Sea and Puffin Stuff was therefore launched on October 11th and soon after reached speeds of four knots. The museum also began work with their new classroom on a brand new mini boat the same week. These are all exciting updates by themselves, But to put icing on the cake, as they say, we just got word that a mini boat of theirs was found in Hawaii. And after closer inspection, it turns out to be the Boat to Freedom, which was actually launched also by NYK back in July 2022. Boat to Freedom is one of last year's fleets and was built by Mrs. Tooney's fifth grade STEM class at Wallace Elementary School in Kelso, Washington, It reported for 176 days traveling south along the U.S. West Coast, but then went completely silent on December 5th, 2022. We have lots of questions ourselves, as I'm sure you do too. And later this week when we Zoom with everyone involved, we hope to get some answers, and we'll be sure to share those with you next time. What a great week it was for the Columbia River's relaunch, and what a great way to end this traffic report. Until next time, sail on. That's it for this week's Mini Boat Traffic Report. Head on over to the Educational Passages website, educationalpassages.org slash at sea, to explore the tracks and stories yourself. Thanks for listening to this bonus episode of the Educational Passages Podcast. Educational Passages is a nonprofit organization please consider making a donation to help us continue our work, bringing people together to learn more about the ocean. To donate, visit educationalpassages.org support. If you're enjoying this program, please consider subscribing to the podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcast, or from wherever you download your podcasts. Thanks for listening.